Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. What's up, Yoki Hijo? This is Stephen, your host with Phantology Podcast, along with my lifelong friend Ben and a special guest. His wife, Lindsay, is joining the show, which is fun because every now and then we get family members who hop on for books that they, uh, I guess we we just like wear down our family members enough where they finally read the books we love and they join us. So excited to have you, Lindsay. Thank you. That's what road trips get me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> audiobooks yeah when uh when a sanderson book comes out during a road trip it's a non-negotiable because i'm like i have to finish this so you don't get spoilers you know all right that's the uh that's what phantology gives ben apparently the ability <laughs> to listen to the books he likes on road trips <laughs> yes okay so we're talking about yumi and the nightmare painter and this was the most recent secret project by uh came up from brandon beginning of july so we're mm-hmm. a couple of weeks behind, actually. But I think this was my favorite of the secret projects so far. Yeah, for sure. I I think that I enjoyed it more than Tress, just because I thought it was more, uh, there's a more dynamic relationship between the characters. And I, I liked kind of the, I felt like there's a little bit more of a standard edge with this one. Yeah. So yeah, I thought it was the, I thought it's been the best. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to argue that Frugal Wizard was better than this one, but um, I think that there's a close contender between this and trust. Yeah, I can see that. Um, Lindsay, I know you're not as big of a fantasy reader as we are, but what was your like general opinion of the book? Did you like it? Um, how does it compare to other books that you like? Just give us kind of your uh, non-fantasy nerd impression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I thought it was really good. Um, I then got into a lot of the Sanderson aspect of everything but I feel like I didn't need to know all of that to enjoy the book and enjoy the story and um, I really liked the characters never thought I'd really get into all of the I mean it definitely has what she talked about at the end like the the manga or oh yeah then the uh, note, you mean at the end like the, yeah, yeah yeah but I, I liked it all yeah that was actually one of my questions going through it was there's so there's like quite a bit of Cosmere heavy um scenes in it you know what I mean or not even scenes but just um like little mm-hmm. nuggets dropped around there and so during the listening I'm like oh you know you don't really know need to know about that and Lindsay's like yeah I didn't think I did you know what I mean so that kind of answered that question for me as we were reading is that like yes this is count this will relate to other parts of the Cosmere but it's not going to really impact your enjoyment while reading it yeah I mean that's what he does with most of his books right outside of Stormlight where I think you do need to know a lot of things more and more but he, yeah, he does a really good job of sprinkling in enough nuggets for the super dedicated readers and <laughs> making it like enjoyable enough for those that just want a story. Yeah. One thing is I we were just talking about me and Lindsay before this podcast and um, we were working through the Lightbringer series from Brent Weeks. 
And she was like, well, it's obviously not you as guys, good. Are, as you, are you guys still, you guys are still going through that series? <laughs> we don't go on very many road trips, Stephen. <laughs> no, no. We, we, I heard about we, you guys reading those books like years ago. <laughs> <laughs> we just finished the third one not too long ago. Yeah. So, I mean, we're making progress. I know. I was okay. like, let's start the fourth one. He's like, uh, sorry, we have to read this short story instead. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, but like, she was like, obviously it doesn't compare with that, but which I agree, you know, but it, they are like two different things. You know what I mean? Like um, this one is much more simple, like not as many moving parts. And because of that, like the payoffs aren't like as amazing with anything, but they're, it's still, I thought it was enjoyable. Yeah. I think that's a good way to describe it. Like, like you said, the the ending the ending was good, but it wasn't like mind blowing, amazing. I can't believe that this was the twist. It, I think it was a cool twist. It wasn't anything like super remarkable where you're always you're never gonna forget what the twist was. Right. Yeah. 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 We were ta- like we were kind of trying to guess. We were kind of pausing, like, oh, what do you think like is gonna happen? And mm. so, should we move into spoilers or should we uh, kind of? um yeah any anything else we should say before in case people haven't read the book yet for whatever reason overall like what would you give it out of out of 10 what would you give the book um i'm gonna say seven and a half out of ten i think that i mean the thing is like to me if i'm like eight and a half or nine then it's like gonna be a book that i like reread and recommend all the time and like kind of fundamentally like changes things for me and for me this book wasn't that but i thought it like did really well with what it was trying to do so Solid seven, seven and a half. I have a hard time. I feel like if I'm spending the time to do something enjoyable, read a book, watch a movie, I either am going to like it and try not to criticize it, or <laughs> I'm just going to turn it off. So, so you're going to go 10 out of 10? Zero or 10, it's a 10. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good attitude on life. Just enjoy everything or DNF it. There <laughs> <laughs> you go. I'll say like, yeah, seven and a half feels pretty good. Maybe, maybe an eight. I thought it was good, but at the same time, yeah, I don't think I'd reread it. And I think my main issue, like I, I liked most of the book, but I did think it was kind of slow. Like throughout the middle, it was just kind of the same thing over and over again, where they were mm. slowly like learning how to do each other's art, and yeah. it, it it dragged a little bit. Maybe it didn't need to be as long as it was, but. Um, yeah, some had, good payoffs and, and some good characters. The the like rom com part of it was like where like it spent the middle just like kind of going on like rom com dates. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. It's like they had to get to know each other though. You know, for sure. But it it was obvious where it was going. The thing is, like for me, there has to be like some type of like suspense or like motivating thing for them get, to get to know each other. This time it was just like, oh, like we're just continuing to be like, you know, smushed together. So we'll we'll kind of make the best out of it yeah but knowing that he wrote it for his wife i mean i feel like yeah that's, it's super cute you yeah. know like you need a love triangle ben in order to make, make <laughs> be more suspense no no maybe not a love triangle but maybe have one of them be like clearly less interested than the other or something like that like a hitch situation i don't know like mm, you, okay. you just you know if you're gonna make like most of the book you know like the all the middle section be about like these two characters like slowly coming together they kind of came together really quick at the beginning and then like just like i don't know she was pretty like ruthless to him on her world so yeah that's true my world my rule yeah like we got a little bit of that that's fair okay maybe she was a little bit harder to get than he was which is let's say we're yoki hijo yeah yeah right definitely let's say we're transitioning over to spoilers now so 
if you haven't read the book, now we're going to talk about the the full plot. Um, yeah. Okay, so back to what you guys were just talking about, because I, I thought that was going into spoilers. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think that Painter was definitely, like, he, he had potential. We got that from his backstory. He's very talented, skilled, whatever, but he also was, you know, stuck in a rut a little bit, and um, and Yumi was Yoki Hijo and kind of this legendary figure. So I think there was some potential there, but maybe you didn't really know it as the plot was unfolding. So it, I don't know, maybe it seemed a little mundane for you, Ben, as things were progressing through. Well, I think it was just like that contrasted with the fact that there's clearly like th- there's big mysteries that I want to know about. And so like every scene mm-hmm. where it's just like, I don't know, like Yumi shopping or like, them like having another awkward encounter or like them going to like floating away on a tree and stuff like all those scenes though they're like cute and they work well in the story like like I think they just kind of dragged on a little bit and when I really just wanted to know like because I felt like it was foregone that they were going to end up together you know and that's the like tension part of it it kind of had some vibes like Korean drama vibes almost where you know what's going to happen from the beginning, more or less. And I don't watch very many of these, so I could <laughs> I be say, way off. To a certain but, extent, that's like all romance, right? Sure, like, sure. Like, ah, they're going <laughs> to. But, but K-dramas are just like way too many episodes for me, That at least my preference. <laughs> like I started watching one and I was like, well, this is 20 episodes. I feel like after three, I kind of know what's going on. So maybe that's what we're feeling a little bit through the middle of Yumi where it's like okay we get it let's speed it up with the plot stuff that we actually are interested in yeah i could totally feel that and i i hadn't even made that connection so the fact that like the fact that one of my favorite parts of the book is how immersive it was with like the japanese and korean cultures and stuff and how i felt like he really like paid a lot of respect and kind of did his research and i mean the fact that he lived in uh, korea for a couple years kind of probably helped with that but the fact that he also captured like that random element that I might not have ever considered is really cool to me. Well, I mean, I don't know. That's just something I threw out. Who knows if that's actually (laughs) anything or not, but yeah, no, it did feel like pretty culturally lived in for, I don't know, for, for whatever, uh, for whatever uh, authenticity we can bring to that, (laughs) (laughs) which is not much. (laughs) Which is zero. Great. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I, it was a way to like quickly develop a setting that I think most of us could like easily picture mm-hmm. without, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I really appreciated it. Yeah. And the setting that he created with um what Torio city or not, not Torio city with Torio where Yumi was and Kilohito where uh painter was. I thought both of those settings were like pretty quickly and efficiently created and also fairly immersive. Like, you get you could visualize at least I could visualize both of them very quickly and they were unique and exciting to be in so um yeah as always like we always know Brandon's gonna do a good job with the world build this was no yeah. exception yeah like the hues like the, of the oh, what what lines were those called like the the um hoyan he, heon something yeah like that. Heon lines or whatever like yeah. it just yeah. like it was totally like made for Hollywood right where you could just like totally picture this like dark city with like these neon lights all over and yeah. going to noodle shops it's like and, did you, you know. guys ever see tron yeah yeah, yeah. i got like some vibes of that just dark Definitely. city yeah yeah, the yeah neon lines 
yeah kind of like tokyo type vibes that you'd get from movies yeah yeah totally and then it's so funny because you contrast that with with her world with yumi's i mean yeah put a big quotation marks around world but like yumi's experience of like hot sun hot you know um mm. ground plants just kind of floating away oranges blues like yeah exactly like they're just totally like contrasting and so that i felt worked very well so did you see the as you were reading did you think that they were the same world like what were your no neither of us called it yeah i could sit here and try and say i did but like both of us were like oh how are they gonna like get to each other's world or what you know i mean like Mm -hmm. yeah did did you kind of think about it no no honestly a lot of times with Brandon's books, I just kind of read along and enjoy them and don't theorize too much as I'm reading. And then it's fun because it all kind of makes sense. And you're like, oh my gosh, can't believe it. So I thought he, again, he did a good job with that. I do think the whole spaceship thing, which was just meant to that throw you off. Yeah. That, yeah. that was kind of, that was kind of weird and didn't really work for me. Yeah. Because there's no pay- payoff for it. Right. Right. Even like describing the aliens that live there. Like, yeah, <laughs> I forgot like, about that whole thing. Do we know what world they're going to. Yeah. The reason why he described the aliens is because it's a Cosmere thing. And they're like, yeah. that's like a very, very fringe, fringe thing in the Cosmere. So that's really just for like, wait, what, people which one was it? Into. Well, so that race is called show Dell, I think. And We've seen them like one other time in Mistborn era two. I just looked this up on Coppermind is why I know this. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I feel like offhand, 17th but... Shard has an episode about this that yeah. I listen to. This is, this is like a Dragonsteel thing that he's planning on getting into in, in one of his last series that he's going to write. Hmm. So it's really not a big deal at all for Cosmere fans at this point. But if you're way into it, like, yeah, sure. It's cool. <laughs> Yeah, well, this is kind of what makes it magical, though, is because like when you do get introduced to those people like ten years yeah. from now in a random book, then we'll be like, "Oh my gosh, this was hinted way back, like in Yumi." You know what I mean? So sure, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's a it's a but, game. yeah, it's it's a different race. I think they're kind of like a hive mind type race. At least that's what Coppermind said. But I don't I don't know. Okay, that's fair. But that was like kind of a big, pretty big red herring that didn't have any. Yeah, like did you ever think the spaceship right? was actually gonna? I feel like the spaceship we never really thought was going to be anything. Yeah. It was just too early on. It was too obvious. Yeah, exactly. And I also, I don't know. So when, when you're reading about these contrasting worlds, I mean, do you feel like that was also part of like throwing you off the scent that they're actually the same world? Cause I mean like the whole, like, Oh, there's a glowing star in the, you know, like that was kind of similar red herring to that. Right. Yeah. I guess I, I probably thought like if I had to, say if i had to make a guess i would say i thought they were just different planets but i did not think that the spaceship was going to mean anything and i feel like we're kind of primed to think that because we know brandon has the cosmere and he's got all these different planets and so it makes sense to think like oh two vastly different environments they must be different places Mm -hmm. so when it turned out to be the same place and they were separated through the the means of the plot and the magic and everything it really worked together pretty well yeah i thought it was interesting too when oh what's hoyt's friends uh des- design. design design yeah when design was like it's definitely not time travel you can't go backwards in time now it wasn't time travel but it kind of was you know what i mean like there's definitely like an element of like she's been dead for 1700 years you know mm. what i mean yeah kind of yeah so not necessarily time travel but time funkiness for sure <laughs> 
I'll say of the Cosmere things, design was definitely the most, I mean, Hoyd being present, that's always going to kind of happen, but design being there was the biggest thing that's important to people who are into the Cosmere. So Lindsay, you probably missed that, but that's a Stormlight thing. And yeah, I mean, it, it's good to know that it didn't really impact your reading of the book, other than there's like this weird alien thing that knows a lot of stuff. <laughs> I feel like her human persona, though, didn't like... Like decrease the barrier for you? Right. Yeah. It was just like, I mean, I feel like I saw her like Nikoro saw her, you know, mm-hmm. just as this eccentric woman. That's probably, that's it. That's good. That's good that he was able to pull that off. And that's honestly the first time we've spent a lot of time with design as well. I mean, we've had a few lines from Yeah, I mean, back where we know her from, she's like an infantile um, version of herself. So yeah, this was, uh, this is forward in time from where we, where we left off with that story. Yeah. Lindsay, one thing I wanted to ask you about is like, obviously, like for people at home, Lindsay does some art, right? Maybe more so in the past life, but how did like your life as an artist, like translate to like hearing about people on page doing artwork? Was it like, like capturing kind of like the meditative aspect of it or? I, I really appreciated just like Nikaro's frustration with it. Cause I feel like that's, like that's more of what I got. Um, like there's so much like passion and there's so much that goes into it, but it's so easy to burn out when you're not seeing what you want to see, or, I mean, just the repetitive nature of it is, yeah. can be frustrating. So I don't know. I, I, I appreciate it, which I'm sure Sanderson can relate to on a certain level of just like, look, I can phone it in when I want to, because I'm yeah. that good, but mm. yeah, you know, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, I didn't even think about that aspect of it, of like, he loved art until he was forced to until like that love was kind of taken away from him mm-hmm. um yeah dang that's that's interesting i'm not much of an artist but i appreciated his perspective where he was talking about basically being stuck in his career and feeling like uh, what am i contributing to the world and i don't know i feel like a lot of people our age kind of have some thoughts in that realm and uh yeah I, i've definitely had some so i thought that was pretty relatable pretty well done <laughs> <laughs> I also liked how between the two of them, they were able to see the art and what they were doing. Whereas like, you know, originally they couldn't. And even the narrator narrator kept bringing up like everything is or can be art. It's yeah. just how it's perceived. And I liked all that yeah. as somebody who appreciates art. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of like, it, it was described pretty early. Uh, like the thing that attracted the spirits was like the creativity combined with like how people viewed it you know what I mean I forget the exact words they described it but I remember really relating to it of like if somebody creates something out of passion and other people appreciate that thing then like it becomes art you know what I mean like regardless of how other people like and that might just be stocking uh, stacking rocks for some culture Mm. or it might be more traditional drawing or whatever whatever it is it can be art then I remember back when we were first talking about the secret projects and we'd only read like the intro chapters and you were telling me about the rock stacking thing. And I was like, this is a real thing. And you're like, yeah, I didn't yeah. watch some YouTube videos. Uh, so, <laughs> Have you yeah, watched I those YouTube was... videos? Maybe. <laughs> There's some pretty, I... yeah. If, yeah. For people out there, if you haven't watched like rock stacking on YouTube, it's like a rabbit hole that you can go down. And there's some people that do some crazy things. Yeah. Although we got that video, the national parks do not Oh like. yeah. There's some... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you seen that video, Steven? No. There's like a, probably like, 
five foot high stack of rocks in Yosemite and a park ranger pushes it over and just like basically encourages people to push over. Like stack don't stack rocks. this high. It's dangerous and it's messing with, you know, the natural uh, yeah. ecosystem like you pick up rocks and there's like things that live under them and yeah exactly just it's like don't leave leave mm. rock stacking to the park rangers and yeah so, so yeah I'm, that's I'm, very tough i'm getting there's real there's real yoki hijo out there <laughs> exactly yeah. just out there stacking rocks like this is not for you what did you think did maybe i was thinking a little bit too deeply into this but did you consider like the machine the rock stacking machine to be like a commentary on AI right now or did you do you think that that's too far of a leap I definitely saw it because you've talked about it so much but like we've had a lot of these conversations about like AI creating art and is that stealing from artists and everything and I, th- I thought it was interesting how he specifically said that there's something like mechanical about what they're doing and what was it like the spirits noticed that and it, yeah while it's still beautiful it's not it's not the same yeah it's like not eliciting the same responses yeah, I, I thought it was super, super interesting. It was like a very unique perspective to mm-hmm. take. Like something can, like a machine can perhaps accomplish the same result in the end, but the fact that there's no intentionality and passion behind it and they can't like create something like new, you know, I don't know. And maybe, maybe that was reading too far into it. If That's why I was interested to see if you had thought about it. Cause if not, then. No, I, I think it makes sense interesting because he wrote this back during covid right which was before the big ai art boom that we've had in the past year or so so he wouldn't have been thinking of that specifically but i don't maybe he like added some lines in after i think seeing everything that was happening no i okay so there's for sure been been an ai ai boom but it was happening a year ago I, i remember like a long time ago watching like crazy youtube videos from like mkbhd when he was like typing stuff into you know ai Mm. and like uh and having the like the ai draw pictures and stuff it's been it's been for at least a year okay well Um, okay so it's been it's been maybe like popularized in the past six months to a year but it's It's been been commercialized we'll say because people are actually yeah yeah but yeah yeah, I, i mean i don't think it's i don't think it's unreasonable to think that Brandon would think like AI could make art like that's certainly not a new idea yeah even in 2021 yeah. I know I'm hoping that somebody like asked him about it or something because I'm I'm interested to because to me it like lined up perfectly mm-hmm. with like you know a very reasonable take that he had you know yeah in that yeah I, I think the book basically like tells us how he would answer a question like that <laughs> yeah which is what you just summarized like AI can make art and there's beauty to it but it's not as good as the real thing yeah yeah exactly were there so one of the other things i kind of like that um i'm thinking was pretty obvious was like the i was gonna say telenovela but now that you you brought the k uh k drama thing like how those kind of foreshadowed the ending in a lot of ways right like the one that was had a very sad ending and then like mm-hmm. had the extra ending that that extra made everything episode, right again yeah yeah did I mean, mm-hmm. did you like that foreshadowing or was it too like heavy handed for you? I thought it was fine. I mean, yeah. I didn't, I didn't think that it was actually going to be sad at the end. That would just, <laughs> that that's not really like a, a Sanderson story. It usually ends with a glimmer of hope or some positivity and the whole book, you know, had positive vibes and it seemed like things were going to work out. So 
Well, yeah, but I, I, I mean, yeah, even if it was the first ending, right, where she died, it was still like a satisfying end, right? Mm-hmm. Like, reminds me very much of the end of a certain trilogy that Sanderson sure. has written, right? <laughs> where, you know, some people die, and but it's for a goal, and they accomplish that goal, right? Like, that's... Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, well, and knowing that she's like 1,700 years yeah, old, that you're like... live the same day for okay. 1,700 years, yeah. But then, like, the fact that, yeah, I feel like the fact that he's, like, writing it for his wife, like... The couple has to like have a happily ever after and you know <laughs> in that type of book yeah yeah i appreciate that i just yeah i, I guess i should of... say the whole thing had fairy tale vibes and so you expect it to have a happily ever happily ever, ever after yeah i guess th- my main question was like was that too heavy a foreshadowing with the like k drama that perfectly mirrored the no the i thought ending? it was good no okay I, I thought that was i thought that was fine yeah I liked it that when I just finished, it, I was like, oh, that was cool. But then I was like, but it basically just like came out and showed it. You know what I mean? Normally with foreshadowing, it's like, oh, interesting. You know what I mean? But this was just like, uh-huh. oh, that, you know. I, I Yeah, I didn't have a problem with it, but. Okay. What did, I mean, what did you think of the end though? Because I think that's what people okay. are maybe like a little conflicted on because she came back, but at the same time, was it really her? And she was super old and is this weird? Like, well, no, I think. Uh, the whole weirdness thing I don't think I I didn't really think about that because the fact is she hasn't like matured mentally or emotionally at all right like it's been you know she's been stuck in the same Mm. place but knowing what we know about how investiture works and stuff it's like definitely her right like like she's if I'm not mistaken just like awakened type thing like or kind of like the same way that other characters have come back to life in the yeah I don't know it could be like Sometimes Sanderson has things where they're like splinters or shadows of the original being or something like that. That that could be the case here. Are you thinking like it's weird because she's coming back and she's super invested in like a god almost? No, no. I, I picture her more like I'm trying to like stay away from spoilers for, for other books. But there's been a character mm-hmm. of Sanderson's that have died, that has died and then was suddenly invested with a lot of power right after he died actually okay sure right so same character kind of different incarnation but still the same person yeah same person just mm-hmm. by the by the amount of investors that they had when they died you know? yeah I mean that's the whole premise of warbreaker right yeah yeah so, i mean i thought honestly i i didn't have a problem with it but i did see some people on discord being like yeah this is a little bit weird i i thought it was like i didn't read into it too much as like oh she she you know faded away oh but she's back and it's like still enough of her where it feels like a good romance and they live happily ever after like i thought that was good yeah i thought it was good how did i was confused i mean thinking about it now it's like how did she get her body back yeah um i think uh, he like absorbed the shroud which was fading away at the time and that power was used to like recreate somehow Oh yeah, okay. I thought it was I thought it was her own personal investiture that because she was like, there's some comments in there that like she had as much investiture as like a returned from Warbreaker or like a Elantrian, right? Yeah, I think uh, uh, design mentions like, oh, you're she has something that measures investiture, and she's like, oh, you're off the chart. Yeah, exactly. So I think that it was kind of like one of those things where she was willing to just let that go type thing, but then when she kind of heard, I, I. Think painter kind of attracted her like essence decided to use that as yeah to bring herself back i don't um, know maybe up for interpretation a little bit but seems like she had basically faded away and then he 
summoned her back through yeah we'll say that magic through the power and of love, love. <laughs> and art and yeah. art and art yeah. magic love and art brought her back yeah beautiful ending <laughs> the fact that i was in an epilogue too just it was it was perfect yeah i i enjoyed that do you have any worst of the best yeah so Lindsay, if you're not aware we do this segment where we nitpick because we like to i don't know we, we like to be annoying about books anyway so something from the book that i really enjoyed but otherwise could have done without the worst of the best with so many exemplary moments in this book, it's almost unfair to nitpick. But that's the segment. It's the pimple on the princess. The stain on the satin. And the terror before the triumph. The unfortunate portion of an otherwise stellar performance. Someone has to point it out. I thought the way that the ending, like I always liked the Sandy Lanch and the big explanation of like, oh, this is how the magic worked. Oh my gosh. And you know, it blows your mind and you, you love the twist, right? And usually Sanderson does a, a good job with this. I don't think this is necessarily like a bad job, but I did think having Hoyd like go on for a while and break it down for you after the fact and he, he yeah. did this probably two or three times where it's like oh by the way this is what's going on I, I didn't like that as much I thought I would have maybe enjoyed it more if I could have just figured it out on my own and had the opportunity to be clever as a reader but instead it was just kind of like info dump a little bit yeah I was thinking the same thing, honestly. There was so many times where, and it's harder with an audiobook because you can't like flip back and be like, wait, what just happened? You know, easily. But, you know, we would be sitting in the car and I'd be like, I have no clue what's <laughs> happening. And then it'd start like, let me explain what just happened. I'm like, okay. So it's like, I guess I've, if you need to do that. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the whole thing. It's like, I'm glad that it was explained because I was lost. Yeah. But I guess part of that is just a short story, right? Like if you had more pages to to yeah. really explain yeah. it out yeah i don't know it's tough though because you're right Steve. it's kind of like if you're having to resort to that then you've kind of already like lost the battle a little bit and it was it was kind of clear but like obviously it's intentional because he did it he chose to do it okay but like what if he gave it to beta readers without that part and all the beta readers were like oh this was confusing as crap until so he's like okay i'll yeah. like, explain it for a chapter <laughs> afterwards you know what i mean like yeah that's kind be. of the the unfortunate reality that I'm thinking happened you know what I mean I don't know I mean I feel like it's pretty obviously pretty obtuse so there I, I doubt he was expecting people to pick up on everything that happened without the explanation that's fair yeah I feel like one yeah. thing he does well in his other books is he usually has a pretty good gauge of making his twists understandable for the majority of people and there's like a small percentage who are like what the heck happened and there's a small percentage <laughs> who are like I knew it I knew it all along right but most of the people are kind of understanding it as it's happening and it works out well. And, and he does this well in all of his other books. So this feels intentional. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, the, I think that that's why it's so uh, weird for us though, is that like he has done it well so many times. And so this time it, it didn't really land. Mm -hmm. I, to be fair. I mean, Hoyt has been intentionally narrating 
yeah. through the entire story. That's true. Yeah. I feel like we lose that a little mm-hmm. bit sometimes when it seems very like, oh, this is Yumi speaking or this is Nikuro speaking. But yeah, I mean, he always breaks. He, the he starts wall. it off yeah. saying that I'm telling you this story. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I see the point, but I did feel frustrated when I didn't understand what was happening and then had to yeah have it explained to me. Well, an example of him doing it well just in this story was the whole um, same world twist, right? Where he like got the map and overlaid it and was like, oh, this is, mm-hmm. you know, the dark spots coincide with the lights. Like that part Hoyt didn't need to explain because it was like, you felt like you're discovering it with the characters. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, it was yeah. a pretty like sure. understandable twist. You know, I felt like the part that needed to be explained was like, oh, like this is 1700 years ago and she's been living the same day. And, yeah. You know, like kind of all that part. Confusing. And it wasn't like any of that is super complex where we have to have it explained to us. Like, okay living the same day the nightmares are actually the people over there the machine is bad like we could have got that on our own yeah we could have gotten there yeah maybe yeah i don't know that's a good nitpick though because i think that kind of your point is that like all those twists are really good just the way that they ended up being presented was basically in all aspects of my life i want to feel like i'm smart and this deprived (laughs) me of that feeling (laughs) yeah there you go. Um, it's well, it's a little bit like at the end of like a murder mystery, right? Where he's like, like you should have been able to figure it out by now, right? But then they have to still kind of go back and yeah, yeah. Okay, I will say it wasn't even the end though. It was just like immediately after. <laughs> yeah, immediately after. Um, it's like you expected people to be confused. <laughs> yeah. If you're confused, let me explain. If you're confused as I was. <laughs> yeah, that's Hoyt for you though. He's he's good. Let's see. I have a couple. I, I'm going to go for now with like Nikiro's gang of uh, friends. Okay. Right. That I felt like they're great because they had so much potential to be like characters in and of themselves. Right. Like, like the girl that would use the horse, like uh, the um, K-pop dramas to do your horse yeah. or whatever. Like that is such like a sure. fun quirk or like the bodybuilder guy or like, like just this like group of friends that you really felt like could have been so much more than they were right because all mm-hmm. they end, really ended up being was just like a way for painter to be have his own kind of character arc fulfilled right of like having sure. this group of friends then losing them then getting them back but i felt like in a different story like this group of friends could have like i would have loved just like going to school with him you know what i mean or whatever like there could be like a whole story where these characters like i could so just you wanted more you, you yeah i want more of them yeah exactly yeah. Okay. For a lot of the book, I was like, oh, surely we're going to go like on an adventure with the, this group of people, or surely like we're going to get like some more final battles. I'm not going to. Well, it wasn't. No, because you didn't like see like much of this. <laughs> not adventurous battle. enough. <laughs> not adventurous enough. No, I needed like a good old fashioned like into the uh, into the forest adventure with them. You know what I mean? Mm. Where they need to defeat a bully or. Yeah, take down exactly. a, an annoying professor or something like that. Or even if they like came to like a like like had a little bit of smackdown with the uh, what's the dream team or like the uh dream watch, dream oh, yeah. watch. yeah yeah like if even if they had like a little confrontation with the dream watch losers you know where they mm-hmm. um were like we're doing your job for you or i don't know something like you need i need some because they're yeah. such like a lovable band of characters with each like these really like this quirky thing about them so i just wanted that to be paid off a little bit more I feel like they weren't lovable though until the end. I mean, 
knowing that they like I feel like you get them at the beginning from Nikoro's perspective which is like these people that were shunning him and you didn't understand why yeah so then it's like oh wait Akane is like very nice yeah which is confusing because they still talk crap about Nikoro all the time and it's not until the very end that you realize that Nikoro's the one at fault so I don't know then it's like well you kind okay. of always know that Nikoro did something did something because, yeah. but and it turns out that he didn't even really do anything bad, right? He just was way too invested in, you know, becoming a member of the Dream Watch. I mean, obviously, I thought that, that conflict was was pretty human and understandable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I thought yeah. that I'm really glad that Nikoro had a reason to be like the emo kid because sometimes you just get the emo kid because that's their personality or whatever. But knowing that he was like this, like go getter, was I thought uh, had some depth for his character, mm. you know. So Lindsay, that's do you have best. a yeah do you have a worst of the best can we can we put you on the spot <laughs> i mean you kind of the only thing i was thinking of was how i was frustrated with the, the uh, thing that you were mentioning just i the, should i should have let you go first that was it's yeah, okay that was rude of me <laughs> <laughs> i i can do like it I, said, I, I try not to like find things that i hate in stories but <laughs> i was a little like annoyed when i it was mainly that i was annoyed that i couldn't understand what was going on and then you know, then I realized that I wasn't mm. the only one, but yeah, you, you also wanted to feel smart. Yeah. Well, especially because we've been like making all these guesses yeah, the whole way through the whole and like, wait, this is getting way complicated. I don't know what. Yeah. There's a part where it was funny. I think Lindsay's like, what is going on? Or I was like, what is going on? I'm like, I'm sure, I'm sure somebody will explain it or I'm sure it will become clear. You know, yeah. like we literally had to, and then like literally yeah, like yeah, but... it just comes on. Yeah. What another thing, I don't know if this qualifies for worst of the best, but is the fact like Sanderson relied so much on the situational humor and like this like situational like inappropriateness of um them like having to bathe together and having to like I do think that got a little cringe yeah yeah so I think that there's a lot of great parts of their relationship of like being stuck together right and tethered together and I felt like it kind of took like the little road on that sometimes of like the low-hanging fruit mm-hmm. of Oh, like we're gonna make like them oh, they're always now. together, but they're naked. What's yeah, gonna exactly. happen? <laughs> yeah, but it's like <laughs> he was always in her body, so like that was yeah. But she I mean? was like she would like undress by him as a spirit, and so, right? Yeah. But with that, it's like how many times do we need to hear the that's same? The same, yeah, the same. That's why <laughs> we I'm like, get that she took a bath every day, but like yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess was supposed to reinforce the whole thing at the end yeah. where you're like, oh my gosh, it was the same the day same the day. whole yep. time. Yep. Which, yeah, totally, which works on one level, but also goes back to our critique at the beginning of like, pacing was a little slow. We kind of, we, we yeah. got it. I mean, you could you could do all the details of a bath and then next time just say, we had to do a bath again. You know what I mean? Without yeah. like talking about all the soaps <laughs> and the... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. The situational humor. I think the bathing thing was really the only complaint there i do like how she kind of like walks into his apartment that's trash and like has to like deal with that and stuff like there's mm. elements of it that i thought like or she doesn't kind of, like at first she doesn't realize that he's as much of a slob as he is yeah, and yeah that that like was there's, funny there's aspects of like having to like basically be a married couple without any of like the uh easing into that aspect of life but like so that all that i really thought worked well for mm. their relationship but just the low-hanging almost like YA humor you know I'm gonna say I also didn't love the whole carnival scene oh see I thought that I thought that was pretty cute it, yeah it was a date it was you know I know it was just like yeah exactly she didn't it's like there's Lindsay, all she didn't shun happening. him <laughs> after learning of his 
After learning yeah. of his sordid past, she didn't shun him. She I know, accepted and she's trying to him make with him his faults. Yes. Yeah. And, I just felt like I was like, picture. Okay. She drew a picture of her, their hands overlapping. <laughs> the carnival <laughs> just, was a good scene, especially when you like overlay like the whole carnival with like the fact that there's like a nightmare that attacks them at the end. That's it was, I'm saying. Yeah. I just feel like there was so much going on. And it's like, oh, let's go to a carnival and we're going to like explain in detail yeah. like them riding the ferris wheel and playing the games and i'm like yeah can we get back to yeah. the nightmare that they just saw like yeah note to ben like, Lindsay hates carnivals <laughs> yeah don't take it don't take around ferris wheel no that's a good point yeah i think yeah i like that point that's a good word trying all the right food there. you yeah. know <laughs> like i just sarah's thing of like the food has this magical quality where the first bite is the most delicious bite that you've ever had and then by the last bite it's like the worst, just, the worst oh, I, yeah i remember that line that's funny yeah that was, that was a pretty good line but but then so he tells it and then and then like <laughs> then she does it I'm like okay <laughs> yeah i will say that lately the sanderson books that i've read like the, the last few that have come out i have not been into his humor at all and it's been kind of a downer for me because i'm like Dang, is Brandon as good of an author as I think he is? Like this, you, this is not funny, and I'm not really enjoying the books quite as much as everyone else. But I like this one, so that was good. Kind of restored my go. faith a little bit. Well, that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear it. I thought I I could have just done with like one cringy scene, and instead we got like five cringes. You know what I mean? Yeah, like this is imperfect, and I think with all of the secret projects, like obviously he did not spend as much time on these books. Yeah, they're as not as polished. Yeah, a normal well, and- book again knowing that he's writing this for his wife like maybe this is the type of stuff that she just like eats up so yeah i mean she he did say at the end note that um this was like a love like she was like uh you know be doing more romance in your books and so yeah there you go for like a for a guy that doesn't really do romance i think who's writing it specifically for his wife wife. like yeah exactly yeah is there a better maybe that's a discussion question that we don't have time for because we're out of time but like, is there a better Sanderson romance out there? I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. Maybe Painter. Yeah. Yeah, I could get behind that. Okay. Listeners, uh, let us know what you think. Is there a better Sanderson romance than uh, Yumi and Painter? I don't, I don't know if I would say that there is, to be honest, as I flip through all of the, yeah. I'm just going to say that there's a scene of yeah. word of Words of Radiance that I think that the characters don't, you know, I don't know. I don't wonder, but there's one scene where I it made me like be an advocate for those two characters that and now I've like lost open them. But okay. Uh I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. You'll <laughs> have to, <laughs> on that you'll note. Have, maybe yeah, it was Bridge of Radiance. Maybe it was Radiance. You'll have to you'll have to drop that into Discord because now I'm I'm interested. Okay. Um if you like Phantology or if you want to chat with us more, you can drop us a comment. You can hop on our Discord. Links are in the episode description below. And uh, thank you, Lindsay, for being our guest star. Hopefully you enjoyed this and (laughs) will continue reading books and uh, peace (laughs) Ben on road trips. (laughs) To be fair, Lindsay reads a lot of books. Just not not my books. (laughs) But yeah. Oh yeah, no, my bad. I meant meant, um, like, I I meant fantasy books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's always good to read books, so. (laughs) Yeah, and let us know when you finish Lightbringer. (laughs) We'll get there, okay? We'll get there. All right, right. see you guys later.